Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, Larry Stamm will look at the coming persecution of the American church and the American Christian. Back in November, Southwest Radio Ministries conducted our second annual prophecy conference at Sunrise Bible Church in Henderson, Nevada. One of the speakers was author, teacher, and friend of Watchmen on the Wall, Larry Stamm. Today, we're going to listen in on a portion of Larry's presentation on the coming catalyst for Christians that he gave at the November conference in Nevada. Notice from 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, Paul wrote, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience. Notice, wage the good warfare. I want to encourage each of us to wage the good warfare. Because we don't live on a playground. We're living on a battlefield, are we not? Paul encouraged Timothy at the end of his life. He wrote in 2 Timothy 4, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And I want to encourage each of us, live our lives daily in the here and now to do that which God has called each of you to do and for me. But keep the end in mind. I'm 58 years old. (laughs) You know, I don't know how many days I have. You know, Greg talked about yesterday. We don't know what a day may bring. But that's one of my life prayers. At my age, I say, Lord, help me, help me fight the good fight. Help me finish the race. Help me keep the faith. I want to finish sprinting, not crawling. I do not want to survive in this time of chaos and pandemonium. My heart's desire is to thrive. To thrive. A couple of other scriptures. Paul wrote, Again to Timothy, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Not may suffer persecution, will. And really, I liken persecution in, in a way to cancer. Cancer touches everybody. May have touched you directly, someone in your family, in your, in your individual sphere of influence. But everybody is touched by cancer, Right? This is persecution in America today. And as we know, it's self-evident. But persecution is, is growing in frequency and intensity in America. How then shall we live amidst this rising tide of persecution? Paul wrote in Philippians 1.29, and by the way, he's writing from a Roman jail cell. And the theme of the book of Philippians is actually joy. Did you know that? (laughs) Right? You go, joy and jail time. And how does that work? Uh, Not in the natural, but in the spiritual through the prism of faith. Paul wrote, "For, for to you, he's writing to the church in Philippi. He's telling them, you know, it's dangerous. I'm in chains. He says, for to you, it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. And we'll talk a little bit later about this. 
to fully identify with our Lord, to enter into the deepest communion with Jesus Christ. We identify with him not only in his victory, but we also must identify with him in his sufferings. Amen? That's not an easy truth. That is an uncomfortable, inconvenient truth, but it is truth. And it does affect our walk with the Lord. Pastor and author and former president of Moody Bible Institute, Paul Nyquist, in his tremendous book, Prepare, Living Your Faith in an Increasingly Hostile Culture, provides a simple definition, I think, germane for you and I today as Americans. He wrote, Persecution is the societal marginalization of believers with a view to eliminating their voice and influence. There's a guy out of Charlotte, really sharp pastor named James Emery White, writes a blog called Church and Culture, and he articulates well this rising tide of persecution in America today. He writes, quote, Christians in America experience nothing compared to the persecution of Christians in such places as Nigeria, Iran, Pakistan, Egypt, or Syria. And then he continues, what is happening in America, however, is an increasing hostility and intolerance toward Christian beliefs and values that many perceive to be an attack on religious freedom. In current American culture, you are free to be a Christian as long as you don't actually live out your faith. As long as you don't vote your faith. As long as you don't take a stand in relation to your faith. Or believe others should actually embrace your faith. And then he concludes, in other words, it can be privately engaging but must remain socially irrelevant. Our witness needs to be lived out loud, does it not? We need to live out loud. That's our calling. You know, persecution takes on many faces. In the 1040 window, places around the world where Christianity is quote-unquote illegal, you can go to jail, you can lose your life. Here in America, it just looks a little bit different. I was actually talking about Into the Gale a couple of years ago. We published the book in 2018. I think the book's actually more germane now than it was then, but I was talking to a pastor's group and talking about Into the Gale, and this guy, Shane, bivocational pastor, he said... I had a job and was talking to people about Jesus and management came up and said, no. And he said, yes. And they said, goodbye, you're fired. He got fired from his job. This is in East Tennessee in the Bible Belt. I chaplain one day a week. I serve a few businesses in the East Tennessee area providing chaplain care for employees and their families. And I talked to an employee I'd known for years from uh, the church I used to serve at. And it was a new business I was starting to serve. And first time I talked to him, hey, how's it going? How long have you been here? He said, about a month. He said, let me tell you what happened to me. I said, why are you here? He said, the company I was working for for 20 years got new management. And management had a different faith system than the Christian faith, and they fired me. There was no other reason given. Yeah. In the Bible Belt, right? That was just in the last month. Yeah. And we could spend time. You could call you up. But <clears throat> the goal, I want you, to, I want you to, to know this. We're talking about persecution here in America because it's so striking 
you know, it's, 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 it's striking and it's, it's happening at blinding speed, the increase in frequency and intensity. Is it not? I mean, how do we process? We're, listen, this is an important conversation. We could have a whole conference entitled living victoriously amidst persecution. Well, I think this is a really important conversation. Don't you? We have to, we have to be able to, to grapple with this, but know that persecution is not only rising here in America, it's actually rising around the world. Did you know that? According to Open Doors Watch, Open Doors World Watch List 2022, last year, more Christians were detained or killed for their faith and more churches were attacked or closed than the year before in the past, the year before. Listen to this. In the past year, 360 million Christians or one in seven believers around the world suffered significant persecution for their faith. So last year, every day in 2021, an average of more than 16 believers were killed for following Jesus. This is every day around the world today. There will be brethren who are martyred. In 2021, 6,000 people estimated martyred for their faith, killed, murdered, because they said, we will not renounce the name of Jesus. He is Messiah, Savior, Lord, and God. He is the only way to heaven. There is no other way. We will not bow the knee. We don't obey the precepts of men. We obey God. Okay. 24% increase in Christians killed for their faith in 2021. But here's the deal. To live as Christ. To die as what? Gain. Gain. To be absent from the body is to what? To be present with the Lord. But here's the goal of persecution. And it's always the same. And it doesn't matter if it's the 1040 window. It doesn't matter if it's in Henderson, Nevada. It doesn't matter if it's in Johnson City, Tennessee or wherever. The goal is the same. To silence our voice and to eliminate our influence. Whatever it is. You know, Brother Billy, you're experiencing persecution in a variety of ways. You hear, you could come up, we could give testimonies all day and night. How you're experiencing persecution. All of us are experiencing persecution. Raise your hand if you're experiencing persecution right now in one way, shape, or form. See, we don't, we, 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 we know this is happening. And it looks different. But make no mistake, the goal is always the same. To silence our voice and eliminate our influence. And you know, the persecution... The persecution is not only personal, it's institutional. You know, Billy, you talking about yesterday about the, the late 50s and early 60s being the time of, you know, subliminal seduction in the beginning. But when the Supreme Court voted in a series of decisions in 1962 and 1963 to take the Bible and prayer out of public school, look what has happened a generation later. You know, Paul wrote in Galatians, you reap what you sow. When we sow in righteousness, righteousness we shall reap. And when we sow in unrighteousness, unrighteousness we shall reap. We don't need to wonder if judgment has come upon America, brothers and sisters. (laughs) We are being judged. We are under judgment. But the beautiful thing is, hey, hope for America? Maybe, maybe not. Does it matter? No. There may not be hope for America, but friends, there's hope for Americans. Because we have the message of hope. We've got the gospel. 
The most important message, the message that saves, the message that brings hope, the message that delivers people out of hell, judgment, and wrath into the grace, mercy, and love of God. We have that. You know, Roe v. Wade was devastating to human life and the image of God. 2015, striking down the Defense of Marriage Act, devastating an attack on the family, the nuclear family, the foundation for human relationship, right? Since the Garden of Eden. Ah, oh, that man and woman, that's not marriage anymore. What is? Crickets. <laughs> you mean you didn't give us this? So now people are confused, very confused. But you take negative headlines from the first century, right? Believers beaten and threatened for speaking the name of Jesus, Acts 4. Acts 7, followers of Jesus stoned. Follower of Jesus stoned to death following public sermon, that's Stephen. Acts 8, Christians kicked out of Jerusalem. Acts 22 through 26, well-known missionary on trial for evangelism activities. This is the Apostle Paul. And you thought cancel culture was a new thing. But how about some positive, encouraging, inspiring headlines from our first century brethren? Acts 9, new religious movement exploding despite intense opposition. Acts 11 through 15, Jewish sect reaching out to Gentiles with message of faith, hope, and love. From Acts 11, Jesus followers committed and united amidst persecution. And then finally, again, believe, and this is one is critical. Acts 22 through 26, believer in Jesus says people's salvation more important than his safety. That's convicting, is it not? I mentioned it last year when I talked about personal evangelism. This must be a precept that we must understand, internalize, and apply today really more than ever. Their salvation is more important than my safety. And if it's not, I'll be quiet. I'll shirk my responsibilities. Persecution on the surface is painful, undesirable, harmful. On a human level, that is the reality, to be sure. But when we perceive persecution through the lens of faith, I hope that we can, we can benefit as God's people and further God's plan. Because the reality, friends, is persecution can actually be catalytic. It need not be catastrophic. Joseph, yeah, he was persecuted right? His brothers didn't like the punk baby, you know, getting all the goodies from dad. And at the end of his life, when God raised him up to the highest position in Egypt, save Pharaoh himself, Joseph had a chance to pounce. He held all the cards, right? He had all the power. He could have done anything he wanted to them. And what does he say in Genesis 50? At a moment, where they were vulnerable. (laughs) It makes me cry because this one's powerful. You meant evil against me, but God used it for good. (sighs) You meant evil against me, but God used it for good. Romans 8, 28, the apostle Paul. And we know that God causes all things, all things, all things is all things, including persecution, to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So I want, to go into the, I want to go into the book of Acts now, and I want us to briefly do a, a brief overview of some of the highlights in the book of Acts as it relates to living victoriously amidst persecution, because I think there's a lot of good stuff for us as the church here in America today. 
Persecution accomplished three things in the early church. It confirmed Jesus' words. It was catalytic, and it made unity imperative. So first of all, persecution confirmed Jesus' words. It's important to know that when the first century church was born in Acts chapter 2 and, and then grew and expanded, the New Testament had not yet been written. The Bible in the first century was the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures. And they believed the words of Christ by faith. Now, we have our Bibles now. We have our New Testament record. The first time Jesus ever spoke in public, remember the Sermon on the Mount. Can you imagine? You have a Jewish itinerant preacher from Nazareth, and he's, he's delivering his first words in public. And this is what he says. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Well, you can imagine some of the audience are going, yeah, sign me up. <laughs> it, it probably was more like sticker shock, like, what? <laughs> Blessing? It's the upside-down king. It's the upside-down kingdom, right? The world says, look out for number one. God says, look out for the interests of others. You know, the world says, the strong shall inherit the earth. I beg to differ. So this was at the beginning of his earthly ministry. Near the end of his earthly ministry in the upper room discourse, just before he's betrayed, he says these words. Remember the word I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, what? They will. They will. And they are. They will persecute you. But remember, Jesus said, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Yes. So. In Acts chapter 5, the Lord is moving mightily. Remember the church? The church is born in Acts chapter 2. 3,000 Jews are saved and, and, and the church is, is born. And the church begins to grow in Jerusalem. And the apostles are doing incredible things in the power of the Spirit. Signs, wonders, people are coming to faith. They're seeing the community of God's people in, in love. And, and God is doing incredible things through the church. And people are coming to faith. And, it's, and it's, just a, it's just a great time, you know? It's really a wonderful time. And then, and then the high priests and the Sadducees, you know? And they weren't happy. Not at all. They were jealous. They raged. They imprisoned the apostles. In Acts chapter 5, they imprison a couple of the apostles. Upon being released by an angel, the apostles undeterred go right back to preaching the gospel at the temple. And again, they're taken, this time to testify before the council. Jesus would have said to them in his earthly ministry. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in the synagogues. You'll be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. Have you ever been under it in a witnessing situation? And what came out of your mouth couldn't possibly have come from you alone because 
it was good and it was powerful. A word aptly spoken. Praise God, the spirit of our father who spoke through them speaks through you and I today. But notice their response. Their religious leadership, Peter and John say, don't do this anymore. Notice, this is another one. We must obey God rather than men. Certainly was a reality during COVID. You know, do not forsake the assembly of the brethren. You know, that doesn't need a whole lot of interpretation, <laughs> right? We must obey God rather than men. And sometimes it's, it's very challenging. But that's our marching order. Interestingly, there was a wise rabbi named Gamaliel. He was Paul's mentor, right? He told him, he said, hey, if it's not the real deal, just chill, you know. Oh, of course, beat them first and threaten them. Yeah, yeah. But if it's not of God, it, it'll go away. But if it's the real deal, Gabriel said, if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. Gamaliel, out of the mouth of babes, didn't know the Lord, but he spoke truth. Did he not? But notice their response after they're released. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name, right? You say, the shameful shall be joyful. It's another paradox, isn't it? But through the prism of faith. Why? Because they, it confirmed the words of Christ. They knew they were on the right track. They were living out loud. They were fulfilling the ministry God had called them to. And people say, oh, your dad, it must have been painful and this and that. And what about this and that and the other? And the deal is, I follow the truth regardless of the consequences. We must have a personal resolution to follow the truth regardless of the consequences. And sometimes on a human level, the consequences are painful, aren't they? But notice when they were beaten and scourged and threatened, they went away rejoicing. Secondly, persecution was catalytic. When I was a missionary with Jews for Jesus, the founder of Jews for Jesus, Moish Rosen, who was a giant in Jewish missions in the 20th century, he said, every knock is a boost. It's like, come again? Every knock is a boost. Remember the guy? Boom. <laughs> I got a chance to tell him the reason I'm doing this is love. If he doesn't kick me, I'm just doing my thing, right? But... What it was, it was, a, it was a phrase to remind us that persecution can be catalytic, not catastrophic. And persecution, and, and the persecution reminds us that we're on the right track, that we're walking in the light, that we're following the Lord. Remember, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, what? Will, will suffer persecution. <laughs> if I'm living an ungodly life, if I'm living a reprobate life, if I'm prodigal, no big deal. The enemy's like, shh, don't wake him up. He's cool. Don't wake him up. But when we live out loud, when we're walking in the light, when we're following the Lord, ooh, we are going to create a reaction and a response, are we not? Here's truth that's really challenging, but yet very important. Persecution is a unique pathway through which we can fully identify with Jesus, for persecution is a trial 
the Lord can use to grow our faith. Amen? Amen. As Christians, we identify with Christ and his suffering, to be sure. But we must also, to fully commune with the living God, we must also identify with him and his suffering. Because he was a man acquainted with sorrow, right? He knew grief, Isaiah 53. Notice Paul's words. And we notice in, in this verse from Philippians 3 where Paul identifies with Christ in his victory and also identifies with Christ in his suffering. Paul wrote that I may know him. And again, he's writing from a Roman jail cell. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and notice and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. So do you see Paul writes, he's identifying with Christ in his victory that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Amen. Sin and death is conquered. He's alive. The tomb is empty, right? That's, that's good. We like that. But then he says, and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. That's challenging, is it not? But by God's grace and the power of his Holy Spirit, you and I can walk in the light. We can follow the truth regardless of the consequences. Amen? Amen. And when we do, we're going to grow closer in our walk with the Lord. We'll have a, have a more and be a more vibrant, effective witness for Jesus Christ. You know, the light will be shining brighter in our lives. So the catalytic aspect of persecution is personal, praise God, but it's also corporate. In God's providence, persecution was, not, was catalytic, not catastrophic in the life of the early church. Remember the goal of persecution, to silence our voice and to minimize or just obliterate our influence. And that was the goal in the first century by the Jewish religious leadership and the Roman government. We've been listening to a portion of Larry Stamm's presentation, The Coming Catalyst, first delivered last November at the Southwest Radio Ministry's second annual prophecy conference in Henderson, Nevada. To see and hear the entire presentation, as well as to have the entire two-day conference, be sure and order the DVD set by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. And make sure to order Larry Stamm's book, Into the Gale, which will give you more insight and details into how to deal with persecution of your faith according to God's Word. These resources are all available at our website, swrc.com. Or you can simply call toll-free 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Lord willing, we'll be back here Monday, ready to once again bring clarity to the chaos. Don't miss a moment of Watchmen on the Wall. Download our SWRC mobile app or subscribe to our daily Watchmen on the Wall podcast. Head into the weekend, my friends, with the encouragement that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners just like you. 
please visit our website, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Thank you.